It's the 24th of July, 2022. And we now have this opportunity to develop, cultivate, and train our minds through sitting in meditation. So when we meditate, we can place our right leg over the left, setting our body in an upright posture, not leaning to the front, leaning to the back, not being slouched over, nor bending backwards with our faces up. But we sit um, well established, and one means of doing this is sitting in the lotus posture. So we can feel when we sit in the lotus posture that there's a solidity uh, to our sitting. And this is how many of the great teachers taught for us to sit in meditation. So having established our posture well, we then bring our mindfulness and establish that, knowing the breath as it comes and goes, using this as a foundation for our mindfulness. So there are four of these foundations for mindfulness, these sati patanas, and the first of those is the body. So knowing the in-breath and the out-breath, this is mindfulness of the body as well, recollecting this body. The breath is the air element, and so we bring our knowing to that. On the in-breath, we can recite bud, and on the out-breath, do. The in-breath, bud, and then do. And we carry on reciting this. And when we're standing, sitting, walking, lying down, we can be reciting this word, buddho, as well. So when we're walking, for instance, then we don't keep our attention on the tip of the nose, but rather we move it down to our feet and placing our right foot, bud, the left foot, do. And we can recite buddha when we're standing as well, and when we're lying down too, perhaps keeping our awareness on the stomach area. As the stomach rises with the in-breath bud, and when it falls, then do. So wherever it is that we feel and that sensation clearly, then we place our attention there. And as we do this, then the mind will come and settle down into peace. And this word buddha will just go away on its own accord without our intending for that to happen. And this means that our practice and our mind has got more subtle. And so we just know the in-breath and the out-breath until the breath becomes more and more refined. And it gets to the point where it's so refined that we're not able to feel it anymore. It's like it's not there at all. The body and the mind are very bright and light. So that's what can happen when the mind comes to peace. It's like we're sitting in midair. There's also sometimes, for some people, when they sit in meditation and their mind comes into peace, then it can feel like their heart is just chanting all by itself. It can chant Itipiso, the recollection of the Buddha, or the China Banjara chant, the Victor's Armour chant, a chant that we may go through every day, and then the heart just recites it by itself. 
Perhaps we chant it intentionally nine times a day. But then, as our practice of that develops, we don't intend for that to happen. The mind just carries on chanting all by itself. And this is a skillful object for our hearts. So we maintain our mindfulness, knowing that now the mind is chanting. And we know in this way, before we had to intend to chant, but now, after we do that a lot, then that chant reaches into our hearts, and the heart just carries on reciting by itself. Just carries on going by itself. And so it's easy at this point, because we don't have to force ourselves to chant. And when the practice becomes smooth and even like this, and then the mind gains stillness, and it comes into samadhi. But to get there, however, we do need to put in our efforts. We need to try. Whenever we move our bodies, if we're standing, sitting, walking, lying down, we extend our arm, we pull our arm back in, then we try to keep our mindfulness over that being mindful here, in the present moment. In whatever posture we're in, mindful of whatever movements we're doing. Whether we're drinking or eating, we're speaking, or we're just staying still, we have mindfulness. And this is developing this foundation of mindfulness. And as we do this consistently, the mind gains peace and stillness of samadhi. And when samadhi really stays with the mind, and when it's consistent, then we'll gain a feeling that this isn't me, it's just a body. It's not a being, not an individual, not me, not you. And this has reached the stage of insight, of vipassana. So this samatha, this uh, tranquility, and vipassana, inside, they're connected, and we shouldn't separate them out. Some practitioners, they develop the meditation object of the elements, and this is an appropriate object for those of wisdom. Contemplating this body is a collection of four elements. And the Buddha gave the comparison to, like a butcher who is a cutting apart a cow, and cutting it up, and separating it into different pieces, different heaps. So we take out the bones, for example, and put them into one heap, and then the liquid parts into another heap, the air into another heap, the fire into another heap, and there are four heaps in total. So we contemplate this body, separating it out into four parts, the things that are hard, the bones, the teeth, the hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, skin. Uh, We separate that out, put that into one pile, things which are hard, like the earth. And then there's uh, the mucus and blood and lymph, the liquid parts, we put that into another pile. The fire element, another pile, the winds, we put that into another pile. And then we contemplate and look at these four heaps and ask ourselves, where am I within all of that? So if we see that in this body, 
as being the four elements. This is samatha kamatana, a meditation object that brings the mind to peace. But when we see that break apart and decay, then that's vipassana, this is insight, seeing it as just a body. And so that's the point to get to this, the stage where we see this as, and know it as just a body. Using a super gamatana, the meditation objects of seeing the unattractive nature of the body, it's very similar to this. So we can look at the 32 parts of the body, separated out into these parts. And so it's similar to the elements, but what we're doing is highlighting the unattractive uh, aspect, seeing it as being not beautiful. And when we see that, and the heart settles into peace, then there can be a lightness of the body and mind as well. And then we see this break apart, see it as anicca, dukkha, anatta, as changing and suffering and not-self. And this too is the point of vipassana, seeing it as just a body. But these are just words that we speak. But when it actually happens, then we know that directly. And it's really amazing at this point. So we maintain our mindfulness over the body. But it's not the case that we do it for just one day, and then we expect to see all these things. Some practitioners can be very impatient and hot-hearted. So it's like when we first go to school and start studying, and we learn how to write the ABC. And it's not the case that in just one day we'll get there. But we need to steadily just plug away at it to keep going. And slowly, one by one, we learn how to write, write each letter well. And then we remember each letter, how to form that in its name. Then when we've got that down, slowly we can start uh, connecting them and joining the letters. And so we have the consonants, we learn those, and then we learn the vowels, A-E-I-O-U. We can connect those with the consonants, so like B and then A. And then we know how to read that, we can make that sound. And slowly we learn more and more about this writing and about reading. And we do the homework that the teacher gives us, and slowly we become more skilled at it. Until when we've got it down, then no matter where we go, we're able to read and write, we're able to speak and listen. But if we don't train to do that, then we'll never be able to write or read, because this is a convention. It's like the Thai people here who don't study English. Well, they don't know that. They don't know how to read English. Or even for Thai people born in Thailand, if they don't study Thai, then they won't know Thai, because it's a convention. So therefore, when we practice, we need to be patient, to maintain a coolness of heart, and forbear as well. Because if we don't have samadhi, and we want to be able to contemplate, to see anicca, dukkha, anatta, to see the body break apart, well, that just won't happen. 
We study the theory, we study the methods of how to practice, but we need to put those into practice. So for those who aren't generous, they need to develop generosity first. For those who don't keep the precepts, they need to learn how to keep the precepts first. And we have the sthana, sila, bhavana, it's generosity, virtue, and meditation, making the mind firm and peaceful. And when the mind is well established in that peace, then knowledge will arise. We can contemplate this body. Perhaps we see someone who has died, and initially we take that to be a person. You say that they're of this name, this gender, this occupation. But when we contemplate into the four elements, we don't see any of that. It's just not there. There's nothing there. It's just these four elements. When the mind starts to proliferate again, then it starts saying, well, this is a person, and this person is like this, has this, these characteristics. So we start to notice, to become aware of that proliferation. Initially, we... Sorry, and then we see the benefits of what we've been doing. So meditating, being aware of the in-breath and the out-breath, keeping our minds with these meditation words, like Buddha, so that the mind doesn't get scattered and distracted keeping our mindfulness here in the present moment, slowly developing our minds, developing this focus of mindfulness. And the eye sees, and then we get to the point where when the eye sees a form, it's just that, and we don't proliferate on that. But when the mind starts to proliferate, then we have the ability to to know that and to see through that. And wisdom arises, this wisdom that comes from meditation, this wisdom that's up to speed. So that wisdom, it's not thought and it's not proliferation, but rather it's the arising of knowledge, knowing that this is merely a body, not a being, not an individual, not me, not you. So when we read the scriptures, we gain an understanding of this, but that doesn't go in deep. And we can ask ourselves, well, what's that like? What seeing this is not a being, not an individual, not me, not you. But when that knowledge actually arises for us, then we see that clearly and we know already. This wisdom comes up. And this is what practitioners want, to know like this. We want to gain peace of heart. So what we need to do is to maintain our mindfulness throughout the day, from the time that we wake up to the time that we go to sleep. Make this smooth, make it even, make it consistent. And this is seeking out this noble wealth. So this external wealth, we have that and we know what that's like the wealth that we use to live our lives, to take care of our family. And we keep aside a portion for times of illness, and also a portion for generosity, for cultivating barami, 
for helping out people who are going through difficult times. But internal wealth is, is generosity and sila, virtue, and there's a wealth of meditation as well. And practicing this meditation is something that's more difficult. But for those who meditate, and they actually experience peace and samadhi, this is even more hard to find. But it's not something that's above our capacity to achieve. It's not above our efforts. So Ajahn Chah said that some practitioners, they go on practicing and they just keep on doubting as well. But if they do that without stopping, just carry on practicing, they'll get there all the same. For myself, I thought, oh, I've just got so many doubts. But I kept on doing it. I didn't stop, even though all of these doubts were there. And I didn't want to have these doubts. But it was my desire to get quick results that brought them up. But those doubts just slowed my practice down. So really, it's easy. In standing, sitting, walking, lying down, we're mindful. Recite Buddha a lot, chant a lot. And this is Samma Samadhi, it's right Samadhi. Until the mind gains a knowledge by itself. And these things just happen by themselves. We chant without our intending for that to carry on. And as we do this, then one day the mind will reach into stillness and quiet and peace. Maybe we're standing and we gain the knowledge that it's not me who's standing. And that knowledge comes up because the mind is still. But if it's not still, then we see it as being me, everything is me. But when there's stillness and we view it as not me, if the mind is calm and still, then we can take our left hand and touch our right and feel the bones there under the skin. We can ask ourselves, well, where am I? We see that none of it is this I, none of it's me. It's just bones, just elements. So how could this possibly be me? And wisdom arises. And we look at our nails, ten nails on our hands, ten nails on our toes. And we take each one of those nails to be me. But how can I be within each of those twenty nails? How's that even possible? But we see that that's not the case, that's not how it is. You see that these things are just nature. Or when we experience a sensory impression, then there's attachment to that. We feel pleasure or displeasure towards it. And we can ask ourselves these things that we want. What are they? Where are they? And what's their truth? And so wisdom can arise here. So if the mind is still and peaceful, then wisdom will arise. But we need to put in our efforts for this to happen. And we do that without giving up. And this is a good opportunity that we have, because we have the time to do this, and our time is something that's very important. We can spend our time seeking external wealth, 
But when is that search ever going to stop? For those who have intelligence, then they'll take their time and they'll use that to meditate. They won't waste their time. They'll use it to train their mind. And this is really important. Before I ordained, I thought about this as well. I thought, well, if I carry on working, then what am I going to do with that money? And I answered that I'd use some of it to live my life, and the rest I would make merit with it. But I could see that a higher form of merit is that of meditation. And so I thought, well, why waste my time working all of my life when instead I could be meditating? And so it's kind of contemplation, reflecting in this way. It um, develops in stages, and our wisdom grows little by little. Practitioners have a lot of gratitude uh, towards their parents, and some don't or feel like they can't ordain because they need to look after their mother or father. We can see that a higher level of looking after our parents is looking after their hearts. And the Buddha said that even if we were to attend to all of our parents' needs, no matter how much we did that, it couldn't compare to advising them and pointing them in a good direction, in a way that gives them Dhamma. So may all of you set your hearts on meditating and give this the fullest of your energy, training so that your minds come to peace, contemplating so that wisdom arises. And if you do this, then you can see the Dharma in this life. So may all of you set your hearts on this.